Hello, I'm Josh Crinet with another Afropop close-up available when you subscribe to the Afropop Worldwide podcast and in the podcast section at afropop.org. Today we hear from Malian musicians and cultural activists about restoring national harmony after a jarring political crisis. This episode, Talking Peace in Mali, hosted by producer Banning Air. If you like African music, chances are you've checked out the music of Mali. It's that big, dry, landlocked country in the middle of West Africa. Now, Mali has produced more internationally recognized musicians than any other country in Africa. Tumani Jabate, Baseku Kuyate, Salif Keita, Ali Farkatore, Umo Sangare, Habib Kwate, Tuareg rock bands like Tanarawin and Tarakaft. I could go on and on. But if you're with me this far, you probably also know that Mali has been through hell in recent years. I won't dwell on the details, but in January 2012, just as the famous Festival of the Desert was wrapping up its 12th edition in Timbuktu, there was a rebel uprising in the north of the country. Now, it was triggered by Tuareg fighters who had fled Libya after the fall of Gaddafi. The Tuareg are nomads by tradition, and they've never been fully integrated into Mali. They rebelled in 1963, just after independence, uh, then again in 92, then 2006. But this 2012 rebellion was different. It actually worked. The rebels quickly drove out the Malian army, and outrage over that fact set the stage for a military coup d'etat in the capital, Bamako. So after two decades of democracy and four elections that looked pretty good from the outside, the country was suddenly run by a military junta. And it was suddenly a much smaller country too. The rebels in the north had declared a separate state called Azawad. Things really deteriorated when Islamic extremists, led by people from outside Mali, hijacked the rebellion and declared Sharia law across the north. So we're talking the cities of Timbuktu, Gao, and Kidal. These insurgents banned music and visited all sorts of oppression on women and anyone who dared criticize them. Eight miserable months later, in January 2013, the French military swept in, driving out the occupiers and re-establishing Mali's national borders. There was a new election and something like normality resumed, but there were lots of hard feelings left behind. Mali has long prided itself on the harmony among its various ethnic groups. But these recent events have definitely frayed that harmony, stirring up new tensions between North and South, and especially between the Tuareg and other ethnic groups. So these days, we're seeing a lot of efforts to try to restore that sense of harmony in the country. And one example is the Caravan for Peace. It's an annual music tour featuring artists from different ethnic groups, mostly of the North, all with the goal of promoting peace and reconciliation. In February 2016, the caravan performed a well-received concert at the festival Sur le Niger in Segu. That's the next big town north of Bamako on the Niger River. It's about two hours drive outside the capital, but still very much the south. 
concert in Segu City Hall, there was a public discussion with a sort of clunky title. It was How to Live Together in a Durable Perspective of Peace in Mali. Uh, it doesn't sound any smoother in French, but it did promise to be interesting. And in fact, the room was packed when things got underway. Bonjour et bienvenue à cette conférence débat sur le thème Comment vivre ensemble dans une perspective de paix durable au Mali, organisée par les. Over the whir of ceiling fans, the discussion began with formalities. I was worried the whole thing might just become three hours of hopeful pleasantries. The first speaker was Chamoco Andre Sanago, a cultural chronicler from Sicasso. Monsieur Sanago started out by asking if there was a griot present, that's a traditional orator who could give him formal permission to speak. Once that permission was granted, the subject, of course, was peace. La paix n'est pas un vain mot, c'est un comportement, une philosophie, une manière de vivre. Peace is not an empty word, it's a behavior, a philosophy, a way of living. Monsieur Sanago waxed eloquent about cultural diversity in Mali. Nous avons dit que le Mali est vieux, nous venons de très loin, nos ancêtres. Mali is old. We come from a very long tradition. Our ancestors are Tamashek, Bela, Songoy, Bobo, Malinke, Kasonke. They're blacksmiths, etc., etc. We are one culture and we complete one another. But, Monsieur Sanago then said that Malians have a tendency not to take responsibility for problems, but always to look for someone else to blame. And that's where things started to get interesting. Monsieur Sanago was listing the great values of Malian culture and civilization, and he gave the starring role to this tradition called Senanquia. The French call it cousinage, and I've heard it translated in English as joking cousins. Here's how writer Andy Morgan described it to me. Mali has this amazing thing called Senankuya, which is where certain ethnic groups base their relationship on the fact that they can take the mickey out of each other freely and therefore defuse emotions, and it's fine. It's pre-set up for them to do that, and it's not dangerous. If you hang out with Malians from different backgrounds, you'll sometimes hear them say crazy stuff to each other, like, you are my slave. It can seem downright menacing, but then suddenly they're all laughing and joking about it. This whole thing goes back to the 13th century reign of Sunjata Keita, who granted this permission to insult to particular families as a way of assuaging the memory of bitter events in history. It's pretty remarkable, really. And it was a good thing to bring up here, because it wasn't long before we started to hear bitter words in Segu City Hall. It began with a champion of Tuareg culture, Manny Ansar. Now, Manny's the guy who created the festival in the desert, that legendary musical gathering in and around Timbuktu that lasted from 2000 up to the dawn of the crisis in 2012 and attracted everyone from Robert Plant and Bono to all the top stars of Southern Mali. Manny started out noting that he is a Tuareg, but one who's lived most of his life in the south, so he knows both worlds. 
je ne les prendrai pas, mais il faut quand même que les gens... Il faut... I've never taken up arms, he says, and I never will. But we've grown up in war. Our children have grown up in war. And we have to ask ourselves why this is. Manny noted that when independence came to Mali in 1960, many people in the desert north had no idea what a nation even was or what independence meant. They'd never accepted the French as their leaders, so why should they accept leaders from the south of this new nation called Mali? Now, Manny was not advocating the separation of Azawad. He was simply pointing out that folks in the north with a different culture, a different history, and few ties to political power in Bamako have traveled a difficult road to becoming fully Malian. Manny says we Tuareg should not have to prove that we're Malians. This has to stop. Every day I'm asked, are you a rebel or are you not a rebel? Every day I have to demonstrate that I am a Malian. Why? Madame Fadimata Wallet, micro. A little later, Fatimata Walet Umar of the Tuareg musical group Tartit, that's a traditional ensemble led by women, took the microphone. As Fatimata introduced herself, I was remembering her inspiring words at the concert the night before, where she called for a united Mali and talked about peace and was all very upbeat. But here, before peers, officials, and politicians, her tone was strikingly different. She said that Manny Ansar's words had brought her to tears, and she took off on his description of the historic alienation of people in the North. She spoke about being in exile for three years in Burkina Faso during the recent crisis, assisting Tuareg women in refugee camps there. Her voice rising steadily, Fatimata said it was the third time in her life she'd been driven into exile. Je suis malien comme tous les maliens, mais malheureusement, à chaque fois qu'il y a un problème, on me chasse là où je suis. Que je sois à Bamako, que je sois à Tombouctou. Fatimata says every time there's a problem, they chase me out from wherever I am, whether it's Bamako, Timbuktu, Gao, Kidal. Why? Why this hatred among we Malians? Why do we do this to our women? I thought Mali was for all of us. If there's a rebellion, come and fight that rebellion, but leave the children alone, leave the women alone. And then she went back to history, the strange terms under which the Northern Territory became part of Mali in 1960. <inaudible> The gist of Fatimata's fierce discourse was that the Tuareg were never obliged to become Malians in 1960. They accepted that fate. They had always been nomads. They founded Timbuktu, but never settled in towns and villages. They lived in the desert. French tried to force them to become sedentary, but they failed. And the Malians also failed in this. We accepted to become Malians, says Fatimata. But Mali never built schools for our kids. They didn't educate us, so we stayed nomads. And there are a lot of things we don't understand. Now, one theme that kept coming up in this discussion was the lucrative drug trafficking business that's grown up in northern Mali since the late 90s. 
Basically, South American cocaine mafias have found this an efficient way to get drugs to the European market, and there's good money in it. As a few speakers noted, for impoverished people living in the desert, drug trafficking is just an extension of a long history of caravans carrying salt, gold, cigarettes, hashish, and now cocaine to Europe. Ces jeunes Touareg qui sont dans le nord, dans le désert, la drogue, tout ce qui peut les donner de l'argent pour vivre, ils sont prêts. Fadi Mata says a young person in the desert does not understand the global implications of the drug trade. If someone offers them money to live, they will do it, to eat. And why not? They still preserve their dignity because they are literally dying up there. There's tentative applause in the room when Fadi Mata says this. And then the floodgates open. Another Tuareg woman speaks next, effectively accusing the Malian government of deliberately destabilizing the North in order to force young people to come south to be educated and employed. She says it is the Tuareg who are being massacred now, not terrorists, not rebels, citizens, and their pain is used to destabilize us even more. Well, so much for hopeful pleasantries. At this point, Mr. Sanago, the cultural chronicler and a southerner himself, affirms at least part of what we've been hearing. Truly, he says, referring to the Tuareg by the name of their language, Tamashek. I assure you that all the Tamashek are not rebels, and all the rebels are not Tamashek. We have rebels among us, and we have Tamashek who have lost everything because of this situation. In the end, the discussion comes to focus on nuts and bolts. People in the north, be they Tuareg, Dogon, Bozo, Fula, Arab, Songhoi, they all complain that the Malian government has never lived up to its promises to develop the northern region with roads, schools, health clinics. In some ways, this is the easiest complaint for an outsider to understand. And there's a standard response to it, which we do here in Segu City Hall. It comes from a gentleman from Nioro, that's a town in the north but toward the Mauritanian border. And this is a man who's traveled widely and knows the whole country. He warns against the instinct to link poverty and lack of development to region or ethnicity. So the problem is real. The population the message is that Mali is an extremely poor and vast country, and that while promises have indeed not been fulfilled, people in the north should not imagine that they're the only ones who lack development. There are needs everywhere. At this point, the discussion ends uneasily, but one more man insists on having his say. Merci beaucoup. Je suis l'homme le plus heureux de cette salle aujourd'hui. Sekou Siriman Jara declares himself the happiest man in the room. And why? Because he's the president of the Malian Association for the Promotion of Sinankuya, that tradition that allows people to speak their minds openly. And yes, the actual tradition of Sinankuya designates who can talk back to whom, but the discussion that's gone on here does indeed feel like a contemporary take on a powerful old idea. People do feel wronged by events in Mali, 
And while nothing has been solved in Segu City Hall this day, at least people are speaking their minds rather than entrenching or fighting. Le Mali est malade, mais il faut les soigner. Mali is sick, Mr. Jara concludes, but we must care for her together. It's true that Mali's in trouble. The recent crisis has revived ethnic tensions. It has revealed deep-seated political corruption and incompetence in the capital. So much so that some are still talking rebellion and separation, and others are turning to religious rather than political leaders. This discussion never even touched on the religious fault lines in Mali today, but you might be surprised, as I was, to learn that in this incredibly tolerant, musical, artistic country where Sufi Islam has long defined the character of life, more and more people, including some musicians, are finding themselves sympathetic to hardline Wahhabi Islam. That's the fundamentalist variety that Saudi Arabia has been exporting for over a century. Today, more and more Malians see it as a radical solution to their radical problems. But hearing this discussion and seeing the warm reception that musicians from the north received in the southern city of Segu has to give one hope. A lot of history has gone down here, some of it very violent. But the tradition of Sinankuya survives, Mali survives, and the music continues to thrive despite everything. This Afropop close-up was made possible by a grant from the National Endowment for the Humanities. But to keep this series going, we need your support. If you like reports like this and you want to hear more, visit afropop.org and make a donation. Every dollar counts. For Afropop Worldwide, I'm Banning Air. <laughs>